Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open podcast. This week's episode is an interview with Ari Felix on releasing dogma and developing spiritual sovereignty. Ari uses they them pronouns and they're a counseling astrologer, writer, poet, and bruhe providing emotional, spelled like ocean, (laughs) support for the apocalypse. Um, Their practice is dedicated to creating a new paradigm and being in right relationship with the planetary ancestors, grief work, movement trauma, deconditioning from oppression, and relationship anarchy are their areas of skill and deep focus. They've been practicing astrology for over a decade as an articulation of their central devotion to multidimensional and multidisciplinary spiritual practice. I really had no idea that our conversation was going to go where it went, Um, but it's wide-ranging and deeply spiritual and deeply human, and I hope you'll stick around and listen to it. It's really beautiful. We talk about Ari's journey with astrology and healing, seeing everything as God, their religious background as the bones of their spirituality, their words for folks who have rejected the religion they grew up with and want to cultivate connection to spirituality that's really true to them, Developing spiritual sovereignty, not replacing dogma with another dogma. Applying critical thinking with your whole mind-body to everything. The power and point of storytelling and myth. Shedding orientation towards the destination. Truth as mutable. Why Jupiter and Saturn need each other. And learning about alignment through being misaligned. And... Speaking of alignment, this is my cute segue into the news that pre-orders are officially open today through April 15th for my first poetry collection, Moonsign. Um, I'm so excited about it. (laughs) I wrote these poems as part of my ever-unfolding journey of healing and processing. I really wrote these poems for us, for other queers on journeys of healing into more of themselves, on journeys of cracking open and coming home, falling apart, coming together, softening, unfolding, unfurling, becoming. Moonsign is really a story of death and rebirth. It's a documentation of coming home, of the integration of fragmented parts of self. It's a story of the liberation of wholeness and embodied queerness. It's about becoming more of ourselves and making lives that actually fit. It's really a story of survival and becoming and and what we find when we become who we actually are. So many of you know that that's the journey I've been on this whole podcast basically and will continue to be on. Um, The poems really explore hunger as a driving force. They wander into the corners and caverns of the unfolding self and ask who am I and why and is that really me and they're really rooted in a desire to become more of ourselves um they're asking what does it take to get there what happens along the way when you stop trying to not fall apart what's left 
where do you go from here and what do you make? There's trauma poems, there's gay sex poems, there's love poems, there's grief poems, um, spanning the full spectrum of feeling. <laughs> this collection has really been in my heart for the past two years and it feels complete in my body and it feels ready to be shared and read in its entirety by people other than my partner and my sibling. Um, much gratitude to both for being wonderful editors and givers of feedback. Um, but I dream that you'll get a copy and I dream that it will make you feel seen and that something in it will resonate with something in your heart. So I hope you enjoy my art. The link is in the description to pre-order. Pre-orders end on April 15th and um, books will ship at the end of April. So um, pre-ordering is really cool because you get to support in an independent artist making art. That is me. And you also will get some fun bonuses, a personalized signature and little note in the front of your copy and an audio file of me reading the whole collection. Um, so check that out in the description and make sure you follow me on Instagram if you're not already at E-R-Y-N-J underscore. I'm going to be sharing lots of content this coming month to support the book release. There's going to be IG lives with other queer artists. There's going to be um, some live video readings, some poetry writing prompts, some explorations of specific poems. Um, it's going to be fun. So follow along, check it out, and I love you all so much. Thank you so much for being here. So I always like to start the show by hearing about your journey. So I'd love to hear about your journey with spirituality, astrology, healing, all the things, um, and how it's brought you to doing the work that you do in this moment. I'll try to make this densely packed story <laughs> less than like a Harry Potter movie. Um, I like a long story and a tangent, so feel free. <laughs> it's so hard to condense it because it's, it's so complex, but I think um, fundamentally I come from a religious background and a very like fundamentalist religious background. So I grew up in churches and then synagogues. So my um, my family is and has been Pentecostal Christian, which is like, mm -hmm. I think the version of Pentecostal that exists in the Caribbean is a little different than the version that exists <laughs> in like white America. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure what those distinctions are, but um, yeah, Caribbean Pentecostal is its own kind of thing. And so I grew up in that initially. And then we, we being like my mom, <laughs> decided to try Christianity, just kind of more like, I don't know, I think of it as like Christ Christianity light. <laughs> it was very like, not super strict. Um, and then from there, somehow ended up in Messianic Judaism. So the small branch of Judaism that um, also adheres to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, we went into practicing conservative Judaism and Orthodox Judaism and then back to conservative. And so I've been in like so many different branches of Christianity and Judaism. Um, but even though now I'm not religious, I don't practice, um, Judaism or Christianity, they both have formed the way that I think about the world. Like they're both part of my cos cosmology in a really subtle deconstructed way. Um, 
and everything that I understood about spirituality before I kind of branched off into my own, like explicitly my own journey um, comes from that foundation, comes from that understanding of like God as love. You know, I think like if we really strip everything down, there's a bottom line there, like that there's a benevolent God. And so in my personal practice as a kid and a teenager, I was very devotional. Like that was my favorite thing to like wake up in the morning and do my devotionals and my prayers. And um, that has definitely influenced my work now. Like that's also the primary way that I like to engage with um, the planetary ancestors is in a very devotional manner through my writing, through everything that I do and engaging with them as gods. You know, so kind of t- kind of taking that religious approach and applying it in a much more um, loose way to how I engage. And so this this relationship of um, respect and reverence that, you know, as I deconstructed and, you know, left religion became something that I could apply to myself also, you know, having respect and reverence for myself Um is really, really a pillar of my practice. Mm-hmm. You know, just being like understanding myself as an iteration of God, as a facet of God, as a prism of God, and understanding like everything as that as well, you know, including the mm-hmm. planetary ancestors. And so I found my way to from, you know, jumping from like fundamental religion to here um, by finding astrology, really. I was like in my senior year of high school, I was already kind of like, I don't know about this religion thing. Like it's super stressful. (laughs) Um, You know, Judaism is really rigorous if you're practicing like conservative orthodox, um, especially orthodox. And I was like, this is starting to feel heavy, whereas Mm -hmm. before it felt like. Um, it felt like being immersed in symbolism, you know, that's really what all the like rules and regulations are um, supposed to be creating the experience of (laughs) is like feeling immersed in, in the material symbolism of spiritual principles. And so, yeah, I was like, I, this is, this is feeling constrictive. And so I just kind of like slowly shed everything. And um, in my senior year, I was working on a project allegedly for school and I somehow came across this site um, that had all the sun signs Mm -hmm. delineated and it was very um, probably not something I would approve of now (laughs) it it was very like deterministic you know and just kind of like super modern not that there's anything wrong with modern but it's just super modern and um but I remember reading it and I was just crying. Like I was like, oh my God, I was reading Scorpio Sun. And I was like, this is everything that I have not been able to articulate about myself. Like mm-hmm. I'd never feels, I'd never felt so seen. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it was done from there. I would like do all my schoolwork and all my extracurricular design and stay up till like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in bed, just like reading anything I could find on the internet which, you know, (laughs) over 10 years ago was not a lot and was like very um, hit or miss (laughs) what you could get about astrology and like, um, you know, technique and all that on the internet. 
But um, at the time I was interested in modern, like that really resonated with me. And so my practice for the last 10 years, I think the last um, or the first six or seven of it was modern astrology. And so just forming a relationship with the outer planets and, um, you know, dealing with different rulerships and techniques. And my diploma is from the Academy of Astropsychology. And so there's this mm. like big, deep astro astrological psychological framework that I bring and so that like being in that journey like opened me up to and simultaneously my mother also started like opening up to like tarot and oracle cards and like stuff like that mm -hmm. and um we were facilitating this group this circle locally um that's part of the I guess international movement of the red tent I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm -hmm, I have. Yeah. So this, um, based on the concept of honoring the blood cycle of the womb and, and like gathering around that. And so that space was really magical. And um, yeah, that's where I really began to explore, you know, tarot and share, start sharing my astrology studies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, I don't know. In, in one way, it feels like it's very gradual, you know, that it was very gradual. But in another way, um, it feels like it all happened very fast, like just complete reorientation from religion to um, exploring different spiritual schools of thought and like mm -hmm. learning from different magical practitioners, like actual mages. And, um, you know, from there moving to... Um, learning from Afro-Indigenous teachers and learning Afro-Indigenous frameworks and approaches to magic and to the mysteries of the universe and to natural law. And so that's where I find myself now, like my deepest resonance is with my Afro-Indigenous teachers and um, yeah, just, I, you know, from rejecting religion to being able to honor and acknowledge the ways that it shaped me and like gave me a foundation of cosmology like I said that I've kind of taken to that bottom line of like God is love and that the material reflects the spiritual and like those kinds of things um you know it took time to like leave all the puritanical ideology part of it behind mm -hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, I've been able to, like, I still have such a respect specifically for Judaism. Like I always say, like, if for some reason I was had to choose a religion, you know, that would be it. Like, there's just so much about ethics and, you know, storytelling and all these ancient texts and ancient ways of being in the world and understanding the world, you know, mm -hmm. um, that really resonate with me. And there's a way that, you know, I think part of the purpose of religion can be to integrate the understanding that your personal integrity, like your individual integrity, mm -hmm. like how you're showing up at, at all times and always is really important and is a factor of um, your relationship with God and your relationship with the world. Mm -hmm. And that's often an aspect that I find missing from, you know, what we could call new age spirituality or whatever, you know, just spiritual schools of thought where it is can tend to be more focused on transcendence. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, and less on that like actual practice. And so finding a finding a way to make an elixir out of both of those approaches, though I know I'm creating a binary that isn't um, entirely accurate as all binaries aren't. Um, but just I've come to appreciate the way that um, being so immersed in religion gave me so much of a bone structure of personal integrity you know like it really did um and that's all in large parts of it due to my mother and my grandmother like that's the way that they showed up like they've been kicked out of churches and you know been in like synagogue um you know disagreements and stuff like that because they are just so oriented towards personal integrity you know and so it's not to say we obviously know that churches and religion like do not like own any um ground when it comes to integrity but there's you know the concept of it that's very (laughs) enforced (laughs) um so yeah that's that's my journey here when it comes to I guess the metaphysical and like theological ideological frameworks around this and um this being like my practice and who I am now in relationship to those things. So, yeah, I mean, to be more tangible about it, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of deconditioning, a lot of like letting go of dogma, you know, Mm -hmm. releasing dogma and opening up my, um, opening up my mind, which sounds so cliche. But oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, just like letting it open and be like, oh, everything is God, you know, and I am God and God has changed and how to be in right relationship with that. And um yeah, I think that's I think that's all for the gist of it. Yeah, um, I believe that so much, first of all. And thank you for sharing so much of your story. I think a lot of it resonated and I'm just always so interested in talking to other people who also come from religious backgrounds about yeah how they are healing and creating a spirituality that or cultivating a connection to a spirituality that is right for them and yeah I think I really love having those conversations and um, I'm curious if you have anything to share for people listening who um, might be in that place of like having rejected the religion that maybe was given to them and are wanting to like find spiritual connection or cultivate connection to God, spirituality, whatever that is true for them, but maybe aren't sure how to do that or are feeling confused around that. I'm wondering if you have anything to share for those people. Mm. Yeah, my advice is going to be very Martian. (laughs) I'm super Martian. Um, I was still human Scorpio. It requires a lot of bravery. Mm. Like if you're waiting until you feel ready or you feel, you know, like it's not scary or you feel fearless, you're going to be waiting for a long time. You know, Um, bravery or courage is about feeling the fear and doing something anyway. It's not about Mm -hmm. being fearless itself necessarily and so uh this brings us to one of the most important things that I write and teach about which is your spiritual sovereignty Mm -hmm. and to develop your spiritual sovereignty 
is, um, it enfolds everything else. Like it requires all your other kinds of sovereignty as well. And like understanding yourself as a sovereign being. Mm -hmm. And if you're waiting to feel that too, (laughs) before you can like make a decision about how you want to engage with, you know, the philosophies that, um, like uphold spiritual schools of thought or religious schools of thought. Um, you'll also be waiting a long time because it's a ongoing practice to develop your sovereignty and you develop it by doing it, you know, by being it, by practicing and by like working out those muscles until they get stronger and stronger. And by your spiritual sovereignty, I mean that everything that we create here in this dimension is a construct, right? That's why there are different religions, different gods, different schools of thought. Like, you know, there, <laughs> Rabbi Yeshua was like, I am the truth, the light, and the way, which we could, you know, argue about that translation. But anyway, um, you know, and Christian thought has ran with that. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is it, you know, which is not at all what he was intending. If you have like a historical understanding of, of those texts and like a, anyway, <laughs> so that sneaks in like that kind of pure puritanical approach sneaks into everything, you know, mm-hmm. like that Christianity has been part an effective part of colonizing the world and we can't pretend otherwise, you know, we can't pretend that puritanical like the the idea and the thought of purity and something being pure and people being pure and an approach being pure and you know a method being pure like those kinds of things come from that origin point mm-hmm. and are part of what sustain and part of what this empire and imperialism consist of and so to develop your spiritual sovereignty is to understand that there is no such thing as the one way, the one light, the one truth. Mm. You know, I think we, because we are so used to having a dogmatic um, system wired into our actual nervous system, we are waiting to find that one thing, you know, that is going to replace the dogma that we've been given. But it's not about replacing dogma with another dogma. You know, like, I hope my story doesn't sound like I replaced religion with astrology because that's not at all, you know, what happened. Like, astrology, I think when it's being taught and used in right relationship, helps to deconstruct the idea of dogma. You know, you really have to confront fate and free will. You really have to confront um your concept of sovereignty your idea of sovereignty and you have to confront change and in dogma there is no room for change mm-hmm. there isn't any space for change it is about control and so to develop your spiritual sovereignty you have to confront the places within yourself where you are desiring control or you long for control like i love control like there's I would take some motherfucking control control is being served I will have it you know and to just like constantly have to reorient outside of that you know um because control is just an illusion right it's just um a false replicate of what we're really seeking which is that sovereignty which is that being deeply rooted into this dimension and the other dimensions, that both andness, that duality, 
that um, that gray area, that primordial void of which everything consists of, you know, that's what we're really trying to be locked into because that's the only thing to be locked into that allows you to move and change and flow, mm. you know, and I'm not at all saying that um, you can't practice religion and be in relationship with that. You know, I think religion is a tool like anything else. You know, I think you can absolutely practice religion in a way that's in right relationship with your spiritual sovereignty and, you know, and, and we're developing more and more places where that's happening. You know, um, like my mother now is a Kohanet of the Kohanet school. I don't know if it has an official name. I don't remember. Um, but it's this whole school for like women and femmes and trans people to become uh, priestesses, to be in relationship with Judaism, like as a religion, but in a way that is brings back in the Shekinah, brings back in like the feminine or primordial iterations and origins of Judaism, like re-indigenizes it, you know? And so these things are absolutely happening and also, you know, have been happening all time, always, you know, there, I think like um, religion comes from these roots of people being in right relationship and wanting to be in right relationship. You know, but when something gets scaled up, we, you know, we endanger it. We, we encounter the risk of it being um, misapplied, you know, and there's no way to prevent that. That's just is what it is. And so being in your spiritual sovereignty is kind of getting you out of the like hamster wheel of all of that, you know, just constantly trying to prove worthiness, prove um prove spiritualness you know prove connection prove divinity Mm. you know when that is as you already are you know no one looks at a baby I mean I'm sure not no one but (laughs) no one looks at a baby and it's like oh this baby really got to work on some shit this this baby gotta get on the hamster wheel ASAP you know this baby is not divine like no one thinks that you know you're like wow baby's the most magical thing yeah like we we already know that we come into the world as you know these weird tiny alien god (laughs) creatures you know in this really bizarre way that we've just like we don't think anything of you know we're like I wonder if aliens exist in you know other planets and other dimensions like have you looked at have you looked at us like I know my cat be looking at me like I'm an alien you know like what are you (laughs) he's like you two leggeds are so weird, you know. You two leggeds. <laughs> uh huh. We are weird. We're up to some weird nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we look weird, you know. Like we're beautiful, but like if someone's like, "What do you think an alien looks like?" I'd be like, "Look in the mirror." <laughs> alien looks like you. <laughs> i'm like i know you said you're scorpio but i'm like that chills aquarian (laughs) Uh, i have saturn in aquarius Uh (laughs) something about like when you say spiritually sovereign i just it feels like so grounded and rooted and not in like a stubborn immovable way but like a flexible way and a soft way but still like really grounded and it feels so good. That's what the spine is, right? Mm. So it's like grow a spine, have a spine. Like, where's your spine? Like the spine isn't this straight stick that never moves. 
<laughs> you know, part of what's amazing about the spine is that it holds you up and it keeps your posture, um, you know, upright. And it also moves, you know, you can bend, you can turn, you can do all of these things, you know, um, with a spine that's intact. And so that's what spiritual sovereignty is. It's your etheric spine, mm. you know, and most of ours are not intact. Yeah. You know, and I feel like most of what I do in my work is like chiropraction or chiropractic. I don't know what the fucking <laughs> word is, you know, which is just kind of like, like getting people in their, um, getting their spine in alignment, mm. you know, um, because I know what it is to have a broken back, you know, like literally my back, there's something wrong with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so like metaphorically and literally, I know what it is to just be completely, um, like have your sovereignty be completely crushed. Mm. You know, I come from a very abusive background. Like I know what it is to not have a concept of agency, autonomy, or sovereignty whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean that in the way that I, I think some people do where they're like, I didn't get to choose what we ordered at McDonald's, you know, but like for real, just have like, no, just can be entirely controlled and not only by religion, right. By, but, but by like emotional and psychological torture, which are also tools that, you know, religion and like other fundamentalist spiritual schools of thought use. Cause it's not just religion that's out here making your mess. You know, there are plenty of spiritual mm-hmm. communities that are doing as much harm, you know, um, but it's worse because they claim to be different. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a spine. It needs to be, it needs fluid, you know, mm-hmm. like actual fluid to run through it. Like it needs, it's also connected to your nervous system. And that's why I was like, this is a whole, it unfolds everything else. You know, your material sovereignty, your relational sovereignty, your physical sovereignty, your emotional sovereignty, your mental sovereignty. And one of the interesting things about developing spiritual sovereignty is that you need to be someone who knows how to think for yourself. Mm. And I think one of the first initiations to developing spiritual sovereignty is learning how to be a critical thinker because a lot of us are not, you know, especially those who went to public school, like I was homeschooled and unschooled. So I have like, I feel like I have a little more um, practice with it. You know, I came up with a little more practice of self-study and teaching yourself and thinking for yourself. Um, But if you're in the public school system, that is like the opposite of what you're usually encouraged to do. Mm -hmm. And so developing those critical thinking skills, which also lead me to something I want to say, which is that we're having an infinitely complex conversation, you know, and I really encourage people to bring their own nuance and discernment, like bring your own nuance and discernment to this because, you know, I, I'm a history nerd and, you know, I used to be a religious nerd and a religious history nerd. So I'm packing a lot of context and a lot of, of that nuance into my very broad, <laughs> simple statements um, but it is complex to detangle all of this and to untangle yourself from it. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to take an intellectual path, right? But critical thinking applies to everything, you know, and critical thinking is using not just your intellectual mind, but your whole mind body. Yeah. You know, your somatic intelligence, your emotional inte- intelligence, your energetic intelligence, your spiritual intelligence, and using those to think critically through things. 
And I think people are afraid to do that because it's a deep responsibility. Mm. Like your sovereignty is a deep responsibility. And it's so much easier to worship someone else seated on their throne than to crown yourself. Mm. Yeah. My intention with this podcast is always that people might hear something that makes them curious or want to explore something more or hear something that makes them feel something and never for people to like take whatever it is that we're talking about as like this is like truth with a capital T but like you're sharing what's true for you I'm sharing what's true for me who knows what is true for the people listening and I think it comes back to like that deconstructing that you're talking about around like Mm -hmm. so many things can be true and we have to do so much work around that dogma that's wired into us to be able to understand that and feel that Mm -hmm. yeah and I think dogma is so interesting because everything is dangerous to dogma Mm -hmm. you know like there was a time I would have listened to a conversation like this you know back in my teen years or um yeah maybe even early 20s but definitely my teen years and I would have been so threatened you know and not in like an angry way but I would have just felt really uncomfortable I'm like oh like you know my world of is being challenged mm-hmm. you know and that's a nervous system thing like if you feel activated if you feel like that kind of discomfort if you feel threat or danger it's again because any kind of ideological wiring is wired into your nervous system mm-hmm. you know and so your nervous system is responding to that and that was actually one of the one of the most um, revelatory things for me where I was like, oh, I don't want to be in a worldview where everything feels like a threat Mm. or that I feel insecure. Like I shouldn't feel more insecure, more fragile, more um, at danger, you know, of my reality Mm -hmm. falling apart inside of my worldview. Like I want it to be generative. I want it to be spacious. I want it to be... um, you know, I want it to be comforting and also challenging. I want it to stretch me. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I started noticing where I was having those kinds of reactions where I was like, oh, I'm like kind of scared to explore that. I, you know, that challenges my worldview or threatens my, my ideological security. And I'm like, hey, well, that's what I need to dig into. Mm-hmm. And so I started like taking all of those cues from my nervous system. It's like, all right, there's something that needs to be untangled there and un- unwired there because it's like a pinched nerve. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, ooh, like the, my nerves getting pinched. Like you can't just ignore that, <laughs> you know? And so I started using those cues as ends to inquire as to what what facet of my ideology or my worldview at that time was being challenged and what is the root fear underneath that? Mm -hmm. Like what was I scared of? And, and so much of it came down to like being scared to disagree, right? Like being scared to like, not disagree with what I was hearing, but disagree with what I thought I believed. Mm -hmm. No. And that I had formed so much of my identity around dogma you know, because I was one of those 
church kids that like liked church you know <laughs> like yeah this is my shit you know do my devotional every day you know this is like the spiritual olympics like i'm i'm that type of person which you know then i also took that to like deconditioning i was like all right i'm gonna take this like hard stuff and i'm gonna get into it and dig into gonna it decondition like, so good yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my gosh exactly and then having to like you know, remedy that a bit and be like, all right, this isn't the Nets, you know, this is no dogma or anti-dogma is not the Nets dogma, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so like, what is the bottom line and back to that God is love and, you know, God is everything and everything is God. Like, I'm like, all right, if that's my bottom line, that's all I fucking need to know. Yeah. You know, everything else is like malleable. Like, you know, one season of my life, I might be like, no, I definitely have this spiritual practice and like this feels super crucial or whatever. And another, I might not, mm-hmm. you know, um, or I might have this like way that I'm thinking about something that is serving me right now and serving my nervous system, serving my regulation, serving, you know, it's, it's bringing me pleasure and joy. And then that will also change. You know, and I don't think everyone is so changeable. <laughs> I'm Pisces, so always like in the ocean, just like being thrown the fuck around. Mm. Um, you know, but even if you're not a super changeable person, like just having that uh, that rootedness that's also spacious, you know. Mm. And if my relationship to God and and spirituality is based in fear, then I'm really just imprisoning myself. Mm-hmm. And nothing that I'm saying is new, you know, mystics, saints, like all different kinds of rabbis, you know, preachers, reverends, like those who have been truly dedicated to being in right relationship with God have been saying these kinds of things forever, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that, um, I guess we're talking about Rabbi Yeshua today, which I would never do. <laughs> Like, I think that when Yeshua was talking about, um, that's Jesus, for those who don't know, was talking about, like, the Holy Spirit and, like, reunifying with the Holy Spirit. Like, I think he was talking about reunifying with your spiritual sovereignty, because that's all he was ever talking about. You know, he went up to the temple and was like, you are not honoring God. You're not honoring other people's sovereignty either. You know, you're being manipulative. You're being greedy. But all he was always talking about is like the God is in you. You know, he's like, I am the son of God because you are the son of God. Like, you know, if we want to, if we want to use the idea that he incarnated, you know, from the heavens into a a body, which I'm not going to argue with because I don't, we don't fucking know, you know, we don't know if like he, Mary was an immaculate no, what is it? Immaculate? I would say immaculate pregnancy. Is that it? Immaculate conception. Oh, okay. It is. Okay. <laughs> you know, whether she was or not, you know, he was like, I'm the son of God. You know, I'm God in the flesh. And I don't think he was like, and you guys are peasants, you know? <laughs> I think he was kind of saying like, hey, look, I look exactly like you. And so you're also yeah. God, you know? But he was a fucking like, you know, a rabbi in his fucking 20s and you know Galileo like he was a Mediterranean man you know who was probably gay to be age um I'm so here for that (laughs) so yeah I just you know he was about re-indigenizing religion like that's what he was trying to do I think and anyway this rabbi Yeshua ran the point of it is that (laughs) you know you have to get to what's your bottom line you know, like what is your bottom line so that everything can orient around that? Kind of like what's the sun in your solar system? 
mm-hmm. you know, so that all the other things can orbit around that. Um, it's so important. And to be able to play with stories, like be able to play with the stories that, you know, different schools of thought have given us, you know, the Bible is full of parables, the Quran is full of parables, you know, like everything is full of parables, you know, and so that tells us that storytelling and myth are the same thing. And the point is always for you to listen to the journey and learn from the journey and like the journey is um I'm not going to be a fortune cookie and say the journey is the destination <laughs> like the journey is the teacher mm. you know there isn't this kind of like final arrival point you know and I think <laughs> I guess back to Rabbi Yeshua again um oh you know why I'm wearing a Hamza Oh, my Jewish ancestors are like, okay, cool. We're going to talk. Like, why is this coming through like this? Um, You know, I think even the fact that he died and resurrected in the story, Mm. you know, um, because I think of it as stories, you know, I'm not like, is this true or not? You know, it's just like a story Mm -hmm. Um, shows that as well, where it's like, there was, you know, even death was not the destination. Yeah. You know, they're just like, there is none. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think some people can hear about spiritual sovereignty or think about spiritual sovereignty and engage with it as a way to get to that destination and still to get to that place of purity or finality. Mm -hmm. And so like shed that orientation takes a lot of work. Yeah. I think for me, it's been about continually coming into more acceptance with the idea that certainty is false and it's not, it's something I would love to cling to. And I feel so good. And I'm like, oh yeah, great. I feel so safe, but I know it's not true and it's not real. And I think it's I'm continually always trying to come to terms with that and come into acceptance with that. And from there, find like more spaciousness and openness to feel how I actually want to feel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. And yeah, I have a similar relationship to that. And also, you know, that makes me think of the question, like, what is truth then? you know you're like it's not true well then what is true I'm like love (laughs) yeah (laughs) right um like thinking about the truth as immutable like even thinking about Jupiter being a planet that's like wants to know what the truth is being the ruler of Sagittarius and Pisces two mutable signs the truth is mutable Mm. like every time you feel certain that is true enjoy that certainty Something being temporary does not decrease its value. Like something being impermanent does not decrease its value. Everything is impermanent, right? And so to be in an experience of truth, be an experience of certainty and be non-judgmental with that as well, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're not like, oh, it's not real. So, you know, like just be like, I'm really like, this feels so good. Cause like, that's part of the experience I think we're here to have. Mm. It's like, mm, here's a here's a facet of truth. Here's a facet of truth. Here's a facet of truth. You know, here's what I feel certain about. 
feeling certain is an important part of creating safety, Mm -hmm. creating grounding, you know, to get to the place where you're able to have the capacity to be like, oh, nothing is certain. Everything is permeable. The truth is mutable. You have to first (laughs) arrive at places of certainty on the way there. Yeah. So you can kind of build, you know, kind of just like we need the bones, just like we need the flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. You know, we need that firmness to hold us up. Like you need to feel certain about something. And that's what I'm saying when I'm like, find your bottom line. You know, God is change or God is love or both or something else entirely. You know, you could even be like, there is no like great God. You know, there is there is only the like spirit of this dimension, like whatever it is. Yeah. You know, but those those kinds of certainties create a foundation from which you're able to um, move and accelerate and, you know, acclimate, adapt, adjust, emerge into all different variables of uncertainty and mutability and impermeability. Mm. And so I used to feel like that kind of, um, I used to feel a kind of shame or like judgment when I would be clinging to certainty or something, Mm. you know, like I'm being foolish, you know, (laughs) I know that, you know, I'm being, I'm being of little mind, you know, I know that this is not, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, I've come to realize that those are, part those moments are part of the gift of being human and if we can't like celebrate and enjoy that then all that all that understanding that certainty is impermanent is going to do is bring us a great deal of discombobulation like you're not going to be able to orient towards anything just because there isn't a final destination doesn't mean that there isn't a need that we have to move forward through time you know or travel through time travel through our lives and like mature and grow like you know that's Saturn yeah like there's still the natural law of this dimension as being being in an understanding that certainty is impermanent is being in a very multi-dimensional understanding you know being an understanding that like this reality is impermanent that we we shape and create our reality and like it's a very meta you know god now you can't even use that word (laughs) damn it i keep Um, forgetting (laughs) it's very meta and yeah you know it's important to also still be in a relationship with saturn you know jupiter and saturn need each other and i think diana rose harper is going to do a talk on that at norwalk this Mm -hmm. year about the bridge between jupiter and saturn that's what i think of is like saturn is natural law jupiter is the laws that we create that's why Jupiter is, um, you know, principles and ideologies and philosophies and psychologies. Like pr- Jupiter is also religion. Like Jupiter is the one who's like, all right, here's the thing we're going to make, you know, we're going to expand, right? We're going to increase upon something. But that uponness comes from, um, <laughs> that's not a word, but it comes from Saturn, you know, comes from this foundational and fundamental understanding of natural law. If you don't understand natural law, if you don't understand the natural law being like the relationship between this dimension and energetics, like how this dimension functions, then it's, you might be prohibiting yourself from experiencing the full pleasure of this dimension. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, people who are very, um, transcendent, um, you know, like myself who like can't afford or worrying about where their rent is coming from every month, you know, because, because they won't let themselves have money. 
you know, because money is bad or the things of this dimension are bad. It goes all the way back to how these puritanical ideologies sneak mm-hmm. in. This is bad. This is good. This is right. This is wrong. You know, it's all made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be bad for you. It might be good for you. You know, like but one of my mentors says, there is no right or wrong. There is only alignment and misalignment. Mm-hmm. And you learn the most from mis- from uh, about alignment when you're misaligned. That's EJ from mm-hmm. Turtle Tank. And so <clears throat> this, this dimension, Saturn, like being in a relationship with Saturn is as important to tend to as being in a relationship with Jupiter, who's like, especially Jupiter and Pisces now, you know, it's like mm-hmm. nothing is real. Everything is made up, you know, enjoy. And to do that with, from a place of integrity is to be in right relationship with this dimension, you know, and Saturn is interesting because Saturn is the farthest visible planet. Like Saturn is a mystic. Saturn is kind of like, mm. I'm the last, I'm the last um, entryway and the last gatekeeper between this dimension and the next, you know? And so to really move into the next dimension or to other dimensions is to be in that relationship with Saturn. And I think of Saturn as sovereignty, especially Saturn and Aquarius as spiritual sovereignty because it is that whole body, mind, like intellect thing that actually creates your spiritual sovereignty. And so this, this dimension and the, the duties and responsibilities and pleasures of this dimension are as important as, you know, being able to, if you have the desire to, enter or be in a relationship with other dimensions but we incarnated here to be here you know um and so being in a relationship with saturn to me is being in a, a relationship with that you know and it's like all these multi-dimensional understandings are to make life here smoother and sweeter and more functional and more supportive not to disassociate from life here. I believe that so much. I think that's that's something that I hold as like a core belief that like my spiritual practice should support my aliveness in this moment. Um, and that being very alive and having a whole human experience is what I'm here to do. And that feels really important. Mm-hmm. So I didn't ask you a single question that I thought I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I'm so glad we had the conversation that we had. Um, And I want to ask you the last question I always ask on this podcast, which is just because the name of the podcast is Living Open, what does Living Open mean to you? Oh, I feel like I just gave a whole uh, (laughs) dissertation on that. But yeah, we can dig in a little deeper. Living open to me is about resensitizing the heart. Mm-hmm. I think there's a strange way that even, you know, what we might consider more free schools of spiritual thought or, you know, um, even like, understandings of witchcraft like everything just everything of this dimension there's a way that um we're conditioned to deprioritize the heart you know and to um to shame and judge it 
for its desires and its needs. And in this moment in time, that's what living open is to me is resensitizing my heart and like leading with my heart and understanding that that is, as many have said before me, that is the bravest thing that one can do, Mm. especially now. Um, You know, it's cute to be spiritually open. It's cute to be intellectually open. It's cute to be materially open, you know, to be like, yeah, money is a, money is a constant flow that can come and go, you know, like any kind of openness that you can have in different aspects of your life. But for me right now, being open with my heart is scariest and the hardest thing. And mm-hmm. also the thing that like feels the most like I'm actually living. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Can you let people know where they can find you and work with you? Anything that you have coming up? Okay. So I can be found at saltwaterstars.com, saltwater.stars on Instagram. And I just opened a temple. It's a temple between worlds. And so as a planetary priestess, I write poetic protocols and ritualistic recommendations uh, for apocalypse. And there's a bunch of other benefits and such. By the time this comes out, that'll be closed, but you can always get on the mailing list and know when it opens again. And then um, that's pretty much the only thing I have going on because I don't know when I'm going to be opening my books again. So yeah, I'd recommend people if they want to stay in touch, get on the mailing list to know what things I might, uh, things that might emerge from me <laughs> in my in my spare time. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.